The rest of you, find your Bible. Let's look at where we left off last week in Proverbs chapter 8. And let's stand as we open the Word of God together. We looked at a couple of verses. We kind of expounded this text, all of Proverbs 8. We saw that Jesus is the personification of wisdom. And everything that we read about concerning wisdom in Proverbs 8 is revealed in Jesus Christ. We see it in John uh, chapter 1 and John chapter 3 specifically. But let's come back where we left off. I just want to touch on these last two verses a little bit more this morning. It says, For the one who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But the one who sins against me harms himself. All who hate me love death. Is it clear that God wants us to love life? And uh, that's what I, I was talking with Trey uh, before the service. We want life in this place when we gather to worship. And uh, Dr. White's here this morning. We, we, we've got to hold on to this brother now, and uh, we don't let Trey into the transfer portal, right? He stays around uh, Emmanuel for a long time, I pray, and, and appreciate he and, and his wife and their ministry with these young people. Let's pray and ask God to help us understand and, and apply his word. Father, we thank you that you are a living God, and you're the God of the living. Lord, help us to be those who stand for life in every sense of the word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I'll never forget uh, when I was in high school and I made a, my first international mission trip was to Haiti. At that time, we said it was the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Today, it's the poorest country in the world. Um, as I was learning to love people from a different culture, different background, people uh, may have had different values in life. I certainly was learning that I had valued all the wrong things for much of my life. It only took one trip to Haiti. Every teenager should go to Haiti, and uh, it will revolutionize your life. But one of the most heartbreaking moments over there was when right there in front of our dorm, there was a, 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 a little boy on the back, back of a motorcycle, and you know, they would pack a lot of people on these motorcycles, but he had fallen off in front of what is a tap-tap. They would pack a lot of people on these buses of some kind. The big question in Haiti was always, how many people can you fit on a tap-tap? Anybody know the answer to that? One more. One more. That's right. <laughs> and so we've had a number of you that have been in Haiti, but that's always the, the answer. But unfortunately, it didn't stop. And uh, this little boy was run over and was killed right there. And, and I began to see as people were arguing, and they covered up him up with some, uh, some palm branches and things that were there, and uh, they began to argue over this life that was taken, and there was about to be a riot right there in front of our dorm. My heart was broken, and I thought, how can you let this child just lay in the street? And God gave me a heart for people, not just people who are like me and where I'm from, but a heart for all people because every life is precious in his sight. And I pray that God will give you that same heart for people. Proverbs 3.18 reminds us that wisdom is a tree of life. Those who take hold of wisdom will be blessed, and that means we are a people who take hold of life. As I said, our God is a living God. He's a God of the living. And though we live in a sin-fallen world that is in desperate need of redemption and the need of the blood of Jesus we were singing about, it is still His world. The earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, the inhabitants, and all that dwell in. They may not know Him personally as Savior and Father, but the world knows him as creator and ultimately owner. 
part of our responsibility in making him known and magnifying him in the world includes communicating the value of every human life and every human soul. You might say, well, pastor, does that mean you're going to get political this morning? You know, the problem with people worrying about whether or not uh, pastors are getting political is this. There are so many things that the Bible has spoken on long before there was uh, a politician speaking on these things. And just because people in government come along and they address certain issues, when the Bible years before has already spoken on them, the church doesn't have to step back and be silent. We still need to be the voice of God in this world on every issue the Bible itself addresses. And certainly it addresses the subject of life and the value of every human life. And so it could be a political hot button, but it's not something we should shy away from. Last week, we saw Jesus being the personification of wisdom in Proverbs 8. Jesus in Proverbs both exhorting us to love and care for others, especially when we think of the fact that Jesus, now if Jesus is what wisdom personified, and we're wise to live as he would have us live and love as he would have us love, we must be reminded that Jesus said, as you've done it unto the least of these, who were the least of these? The most vulnerable in society. As you've done to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so today I want to briefly deal with three areas and shed some light from the book of Proverbs since we're studying Proverbs and we find that that is the, the, the wisdom of Proverbs, God-given wisdom, causes us to live the satisfied life, but I believe it causes us to give life and defend life. And so we'll deal with these three areas in the, in the Proverbs from various Proverbs, what the culture says uh, will stand for life no matter what the culture says when, when they say it's the they're the unborn, when our cause may say they are unworthy, or when the church may neglect them because we say they are unsaved and they need our attention the most. And so let's start with that first area this morning. Love life and the least of these when the culture says, but they are unborn. Out of sight, out of mind, right? Proverbs 16, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 6, you'll flip back a couple of pages in your Bible or scroll down in your... um, Bible out there. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. Six things the Lord hates. In fact, seven are detestable to him. Arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, and look, look at the third one here. Hands that shed innocent blood. God hates some things. I know God is love, and God so loved the world, and that means me and you and everyone who has ever been born is born in the image of him, is the object of his love. He desires to see them redeemed, to see them saved, born again, and walking with him. But there are some things that God hates, including hands that take or shed innocent blood. Society's most vulnerable. When we think about the unborn, the fact that we we, we kind of hide that violence that keeps us... Now, listen, we will talk about other violence in the world, and we see other violence in the world. The problem with this violence is it's done behind closed doors, and we often don't see the over 40 million, sometimes near 50 million a year, whose lives are taken, innocent blood that is shed. And the fact that the victims will never be able to march, they will never be able to riot in protests mean that the atrocity escapes the eyes of Almighty God. It does not. And so as the body of Christ, and why do, some of you are like, Pastor Robbie, you get real urgent about this issue, and there are other issues of life we're going to talk about this morning. But I, I see this as issue because there's no other segment of the population other than the unborn who we are killing in the numbers that we're killing. 
Mother Teresa at a White House prayer breakfast back in the 1990s, standing before President Mrs. Clinton, said that she did not believe that God would empower us as a nation to overcome violence and injustice in all of these other areas on the streets of America until we as a nation stop the violence against the unborn. And I may not agree with her theology on some things, but she was a prophetic voice on that day. And so that violence hasn't stopped, and neither has so much other violence. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to an end, or to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And so that means for so many people, they won't touch the subject because it seems like the right thing to do. It seems like to, to, to maybe uh, be sure that we support and defend a woman's right to choose, or it seems like it, it might be the right thing to do to make life more convenient for someone. There is a way that seems right to a man, but now we have God's wisdom on the subject. The Word of God telling us that God has fearfully and wonderfully knit us together in our mother's womb. And so from conception to natural death, we want to stand for life. And that means we've got to speak up for those that are most vulnerable in this world. I was excited to see the march in Washington yesterday, or Friday, and see so many people show up. I know the media won't make a big deal about that. But it's in your everyday conversations. It's in what you stand for uh, every day of your life. Even the way that you love, and we'll come back to the fact that some are unsaved and some need the gospel, the fact that there are some who are involved in this abortion industry and there are others, uh, there are uh, moms who have been victims of this industry that while we are disappointed, while we're brokenhearted, we need to share the gospel with them because they need the love of Christ, they need healing, and they need Jesus. And so for what some of you are doing with the crisis pregnancy centers and ministry like that, Keep up the good work, but all of us need to be a voice of righteousness in this area. Second, let me, let me say this. Love life in the least of these. We must do this when your cause says they are unworthy. So many times our cause in life, be it our work, our family, be it your, your, your own personal mission, be it your political positioning or our or the leverage that you have in the workplace because of that, when your cause says they're unworthy, we still need to stand for life. Who are the people that are sometimes considered unworthy, vulnerable? The elderly. Those that are not like us. Those who are not from here. Those who are disabled. Those who are brokenhearted. The depressed, the hopeless, the impoverished. And we could go on and on and on, but there are people in this world that want to know, does their life matter? And so many times as a, a Christian, so many times because we might take a certain political stance on certain issues, we forget that every human life has value. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17 says that when we give to the poor, we lend to God, and God is the one who will repay us. He will reward us. Proverbs fifteen twenty five says God protects the widow's territory. You know, James says that pure and undefiled religion is, is when we care for the widows and the orphans in their time of need. Again, mentioning the most vulnerable people in society, saying, listen, you care for the least of these, and they're all around you. God protects, God cares for. Proverbs 24 and verse 23, it is not good to show favoritism in judgment. 
And so if you're struggling with a, a prejudice this morning, you can't stand for life unless you love every life, red, yellow, black, or white, every ethnicity, every nation. And so I know that's another political hot button today. And, and I've seen Christian brothers and sisters losing fellowship, as I said last week, over uh, debating over a wall and that sort of thing. And the way I look at it is, listen, governments have to make different decisions and governments have to protect their citizens and that sort of thing. But if you're a Christian, your love should transcend every barrier should go beyond every wall. You should want to not only reach the people in this nation, but go to every nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You should love people, period. And don't separate every human soul from who it is that you're called to minister to and defend and stand for. Be careful. and Love your mission. Proverbs ten twelve says, Hatred leads to strife and division. Love covers a multitude of of sin. And so our response in a sin-fallen world could be, listen, they're not about my cause, and so I do not love them. We need to love all people, period, because Christ loved us and gave himself for us. We ought also to love one another and love people. And so Love life when the least of these says you're, love life in the least of these when your cause says they are unworthy. And finally this morning, love life in the least of these when your church says they're unsaved, right? I mean, we obviously know as the body of Christ that the greatest need in this world is Jesus. People need the blood of Jesus Christ. They need the message we've sang about this morning. And so God did not call us as a church in this community in Madison County, Georgia. God did not call us in a church here in Northeast Georgia around the world to draw swords with lost people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, rulers of this present dark world we live in. There is spiritual warfare, no doubt. But we're not here to draw swords with lost people. We're here to rescue the perishing, to care for them. So, so sometimes they don't embrace our values. Why do we get so upset when non-Christians don't have a Christian ethic? If they did have a Christian ethic, they would not have the power within them to live the Christian ethic because the righteous requirements of the law are fully met in us when we walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Could you imagine Ananias when he was told to go pray for Saul the terrorist? <laughs> go pray for him, but God, you don't understand. He comes to kill people like me. That's okay, I'm doing a work. And so there may be somebody from another nation. It could be the guy who is across the counter from a convenience store that you buy gas from that God wants to make the greatest evangelist the world has ever known because you share Jesus with them. And so go and share words of life when your church says they're unsaved, when the word says they're unsaved, they need Jesus. Proverbs 11 and Verse 30 says, righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Now, I know that in the context, I might have some of my hermeneutic students here, but in the context, it's, it's not talking about sharing the gospel per se. It's talking about winning a place of influence in their life. But as a church, we want to do that. We want to engage the culture so that we might share Jesus with lost people. Why? Because Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word 
of God. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so you can speak life or you can speak death by the words that you share. Flip over to Proverbs chapter 11. I'm sorry, Proverbs 24, verse 11. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 and 12. It says, rescue those who are being taken off to death and save those stumbling toward slaughter. Those who are making life decisions, life choices that are going to lead them to ruin, to death and to destruction. Ultimately, that choice is a rejection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ given under heaven among men by which we might be saved. If you do nothing in a difficult time, your strength is limited, verse 10 says, so rescue those who are being taken off to death. Save those who are stumbling towards slaughter. If you say, but we didn't know about this, won't he who weighs the hearts consider it? Won't he who protects your life? No. Won't he repay a person according to his work? We'll stand before God, and I don't want anybody's blood on my hands because I did not share Jesus Christ with those who were stumbling toward death. Listen, when we look at these other areas, the first two points I talked about this morning, as a church, we have to be careful because we're living in a day and a time where people will let their stand for biblical social justice, which we should do, become a social gospel. Where we we try to make sure everybody is clothed and well-fed and protected and defended and respected in this world, but then we don't tell them how to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if our And if our biblical social justice, and I believe there's unbiblical social justice as well, but if our biblical social justice becomes a social gospel and an end in itself, and we don't bring them the words of life, then we stand for people to be born, and we stand for people to be respected, and we don't tell them where they can spend eternity in a place called heaven, then we've come short of our mission in life. So don't let your social justice become a social gospel. Jesus had to deal with that with Judas Iscariot himself. Judas and the other, the zealots, remember, they wanted Jesus to come in, just overthrow the government and establish the kingdom now. But the first time Jesus came was to seek and to save the lost. The first time Jesus came was established to establish his kingdom in the hearts and in the lives of men, women, boys, and girls who would put their faith and trust in Jesus and make him the Lord of their life. That's what he came to do the first time. The second time he comes, he's not coming to take sides, he's coming to take over. And when he comes again, he will establish his kingdom forever. And he will reign forever. And we will have a theocracy at that moment. And and so we we can't just say, okay, well, well, when Christians get it all right and we win everybody over to a certain political ideology, then the world's going to be a better place. Right now, we're called to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying. Jesus came for lost souls. Fight for life, fight for freedom, don't forget the soul. In fact, to have one without the other can leave you in a mess. I remember on a mission trip to Romania, speaking with a Romanian pastor, years after they had gotten their freedom and the church was no longer being persecuted and communism was dead in Romania. And I said, how is it now here in Romania, now that communism is dead, the the wall has come down and and there's the, the freedom here like you've never had in Romania before. He said, the church is more dead than it ever has been. Because we've got all of these rights when it comes to social justice, but we have no spiritual passion anymore. He said, I feel like we were better off when we were being persecuted. 
Maybe that's why God allows persecution on the church here and around the world. You say, what what difference can I make? (laughs) What difference can I make? Some of you have heard this story before, but there was a little boy walking on the seashore after a storm had come up and, and, and gone back out to sea. And the storm had washed all of these starfish up on the, the beach there. Thousands and thousands and thousands as far as the eye could see. And some of them were still living, but they weren't going to be living long. And so he's picking one up and he throws it. And he's picking one up and he throws it. And he picks one up and he throws it out into the ocean. And an older man comes and says, son, look, there are thousands and thousands of starfish up and down this beach. What you're doing doesn't make a difference. It's really not going to matter. Just let it go. The boy picked up one more starfish and he threw it out in the ocean. He said it mattered to that one. It mattered to that one. You can stand for life and it'll matter to somebody. You can stand for life and share the gospel of Jesus Christ and it will matter for that somebody for all eternity. As Trey and our musicians come this morning, I want to ask you, ask yourself this question. First of all, am I trying to give away something I don't even have? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior this morning, we would love to tell you how you can have a relationship with Jesus. But if you've got life in his name, stand for life in this world. Take life to the world around you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?